This week, we're traveling across the pond to talk to one of our favorite authors. Let's get into it. So Kelsey, one of my earliest childhood memories from like being around five years old, maybe even younger was I had the strongest desire to learn how to read. Like that was like my number one goal because I just couldn't wait to read books. And it was so frustrating to me that the other people could read like my parents and stuff, but I couldn't. Oh my gosh. Now you are such a nerd. I love it. (laughs) But I do remember as a kid, like I love to read. I was, I just reached out to one of my like childhood friends from third grade because we were talking about how much we used to love those Junie B. Joan books. That was my first book. Oh my gosh. I had all her books. It was Junie B. Jones' first grader at last. That was the first chapter book I ever read. And the B stands for Beatrice. Yes, I was addicted. And then, you know, into like my teenage years, I was into all the series. So Harry Potter, Twilight, all of them. Um, Narnia, like I, I was very into all those type of series. I kept a book in my hand. And over the years, like I really just did not make time to read anymore. I wasn't into the science fiction. I wasn't one of those girls, but I did love Judy Bloom. Her books honestly literally changed my life and they were just so instrumental in like coming of age. What's the, I must, I must, I must increase my butt. <laughs> and reading, it was just such a joy. And I literally did always have a book with me. And the thing was when I was real young, probably up until sometime in middle school, I didn't have a TV in my bedroom. So my activity at oh, night was reading. And I feel like that encouraged me to even read more where my mom will have to come in and be like, it's really time to go to bed, like cut the light off. But now I, I don't read so much and I'm ashamed. Like somebody asked me like what my favorite book is. And I was like, I don't know if I have a favorite book. Like, and I, first of all, I have a big book collection and it's like, I, I'm at the point where it's like, I start a book and then work get crazy, life get crazy. And then I come back to it maybe a month later, but I have not finished a book like front to back in a while. So I actually went to, I'm in California now and they have Amazon bookstores Hmm. right so they so they have like an actual like brick and mortar amazon store even though i said i was gonna start supporting small businesses i walked past it i was curious i went into it y'all but i came out with like six new books and so i'm so excited for you thank you so i bought like tony morrison's like set of books so i'm starting with like the bluest eye which i i know i've read it a while back the bluest eye for like six months it's so embarrassing (laughs) Well, look, we can we can start it again together. And then, okay, y'all. So I don't know how y'all feel about Stephanie Meyer. But like I said, I was a Twilight fan. And so and I read all those books multiple times and her other books. And so now she I just found out that she has a book called The Midnight Sun, um, which is basically like telling the story of Twilight from Edward's point of view. And so I had to get it. And y'all like, I am already halfway through this book. It's been two days. I think I already hit, what page is this? I'm on page 400 and something. And that's like, so it's like an 800 page book. And I was like, wow, like I have not read for fun in so long. I was just saying, I love when you get into a book and you get in that flow and you can't put it down. Like, I love that. I know, but I wish I was like that with like all books. Like, you know, like I never was like that with like school books with like nonfiction, you know? I feel though, as though now that I'm in school, like 
I'm reading hundreds of pages every week. So I have less incentive to read for pleasure, but I really wish that I could carve out more time to do that because it is, it's like a relief. Now, some books can be a little heavy, you know, I know what you mean from that regard, but it's still, it's so important, especially, you know what I love when the book has a movie and then you read the book and you watch the movie and compare. But the movie always disappoints, always. Well, at least for me. I mean, the book is obviously going to have more detail, but I just like the, I just like to see like, oh, this is what this character might have looked like and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I always um, picture, I guess, the characters in my mind more attractive. (laughs) Shame (laughs) on me. Um, But I I feel like to our guest today, I feel like you get the same sensation of like, or or I got the same sensation of like really getting into a series, um, reading her book as I did with like you know it kind of brought me back to like oh it's nice to just read like her books definitely do that in fact I was in the airport Chanel and this was like after we had already interviewed her but I was in the airport and it was a girl sitting across from me waiting to get on the plane reading one of her books and I took a picture and sent it to you Oh, that, that, I do remember that. That is so exciting though for her. And hopefully one day, like some of her books do are adapted into a short story film or movie or Netflix series or whatever. Ooh, and see, she got some spicy scenes. So I would love that. Spicy scenes. (laughs) Actually, one of my Christmas gifts was a, from a black owned company, like monthly book subscription. So I have plenty I guess 12 books coming this year that I can read so our encouragement to you all is to find some more time for reading even if it's a little short story or a poem or something try to read something every day Um, and with that we're going to get into our interview with our amazing guest so we are here today with Talia Hibbert she is a New York Times USA Today and Wall Street Journal best-selling author who lives in a bedroom full of books. Supposedly, there's a world beyond that room, but she has yet to drum up enough to interest to investigate. She writes steamy, diverse romance because she believes that people of marginalized identities need honest and positive representation. Her interests include makeup, junk food, and unnecessary sarcasm. Talia and her many books reside in the English Midlands. Yes, we're so excited to have you today. Thank you for joining us. Now, I did a bit of stalking. I was listening to some of your past interviews, and I heard you say that when you went to college, I know you guys say university, but when you went to university, you thought you were going to go to school for law, and then you changed to creative writing, and your parents were a little upset about that. But here you are now. You're the author of 17 books, which is so impressive. So what advice do you have for anyone who really wants to pursue a career in a creative field? Well, thank you, first of all. Um, And yeah, it is nice that I can say to my parents, look, nothing bad (laughs) happened. (laughs) Um, My advice to anyone who wants to work in a creative field would be that passion is really half of the work. So if you have the passion for something, then you're really in a great place to put your faith in that and try your best and get started. And I think the other half, in most cases is about research because I think there's really ways to succeed in all kinds of fields and make every situation work for you but the most difficult part is figuring out how. What was it like transitioning from law to creative writing? Um, It was a huge relief really because I spent a year 
studying law surrounded by people who you know I'd done quite well at school so I thought that I was kind of nerdy um then I went to study law and realized woof no I had nothing on these people <laughs> they were just the thing is they were really really passionate about what they were doing and I wasn't and so the difference was palpable and it just made me feel even worse about my decision um so when kind of towards the end of the year I went to see the head of English at my university and I said um basically I was like hi I'm really good at English and I think you want me on your course so please accept me <laughs> and he was like okay <laughs> and I think I was so desperate to get on it that he could just sense the vibes and was like I better not say no or she might collapse in my office now they have like a phenomenal alum right I'm glad he made it <laughs> So you describe your books as like sexy, diverse romance. Can you explain like why you are so dedicated to highlighting marginalized communities and why that's important when it comes to like the romance genre? Um, I like to write characters who kind of represent me and represent my loved ones because I know that as a reader, seeing that has meant so much to me. And so it's a pleasure for me to write it, but also a pleasure to know that there are other readers who might see it in my work and feel the same. Um, and romance in particular, you know, I'm, I'm saying this as someone who has been a romance reader for years and is clearly very biased, but I feel like romance more than anything else is like a statement about who deserves love and what kind of love they deserve. And I think that's really significant. So showing marginalized people being the heroes in their own stories and experiencing these fulfilling, happy endings um, feels very important because I think that society and cultural media, they're kind of symbiotic. So on the one hand, as an author, I feel like I personally feel a duty to represent the truth of our happiness and our experiences. But then also, I think that portraying marginalized characters in this way helps marginalized readers see what they can have and should have. So I feel like it's a win-win on both sides. That's true. And that's so important because I can remember like some of the first times I saw people who looked like me on certain television shows or in certain books. And it means the world because you can connect to the character in like a completely different way. Um, yeah. I think that's really important. You have written, as Kelsey said, 17 books and you are very young. Like you said that you had started writing or released one of your books while you were still in university. How do you continually find creative inspiration? I really love reading. Um, I feel that books inspire me because when they give me certain feelings, I want to capture and share those feelings in my own way. Um, and also nonfiction really inspires me because there are so many creatives that have shared their processes and I always, always find something valuable that I can learn from reading about that. Um, and it's really exciting. You know, when I said when I was studying law, I felt like I wasn't a nerd, but when I am reading these books, I definitely feel like a nerd because I'm so excited about all the ideas. Um, and in short, I think anything that catches emotion I feel like we're always, you know, we feel everything as a species. And even though we can talk to each other about it, it's really hard to express exactly what you feel to another person. And so that makes it really important and valuable to be able to share feelings. And art 
is one of the only ways we can do that. So I think that inspires me wanting to communicate like that. So something that I love about your work, as I said, is that you're highlighting these like diverse communities, but you have people from a variety of backgrounds, neurodivergent, bisexual, plus size, Black, um, from all different places in life. Um, and so I kind of just wanted to pick your brain on like when you are developing these characters or these storylines, like what is your creative process? Like how do you research? Like what, what way do you go about creating your stories? Um, I kind of hate research because I'm very lazy. So <laughs> a lot of the time I prefer to write things that I have experienced because that really cuts down on the research. Um, and obviously it it kind of helps you feel more confident when you've experienced things because sometimes when you're writing marginalized characters or experiences, there's this pressure to represent everyone who's ever experienced that. Um, and when you can kind of say, well, no, I'm just writing this for people who went through it like I did, it sometimes feels a lot less fraught for me anyway. Um, so that's another reason why I like to do that. But when I am writing marginalized characters whose experiences aren't my own, then obviously research does become really important. And my favorite form of research is talking to people who do have something in common with that character, um, as many people as possible. Ideally, people that I actually you know, know so that we have more of an open relationship. Um, I know that some authors, uh, for example, Kennedy Ryan, who is an amazing author, she interviews a lot of people for research. And she's very personable, so she can call anyone up and be like, tell me your life story. Whereas I'd be like, um, <laughs> so I stick to people I already know. Um, and that has served me well so far, I think, because the most important thing when you're telling these stories that are essentially someone's story, you know, someone in the world, probably multiple someone's, the most important thing is kind of authenticity and empathy. So that's why I try to keep at the forefront. That's really beautiful. I know that your books can get a little steamy. So <laughs> um, what has the reaction been from like your family, your friends, and what is it like to, you know, write those steamy scenes? Well, um, I always write in my own very isolated little writing space. Now I have an office, which is great because I can shut the door. Um, and so when I'm writing these scenes, it's, I don't really think about how they're going to be read because I'm really in my own little world. But then when the book comes out and I remember that people read them, then I start panicking. Um, so my mum, for example, is banned from reading any of my books. She has them all, but she's never read one. <laughs> and my dad, he's not really big into reading anyway, so it didn't really come up. But then obviously to annoy me, he was like, should I read one? And I was like, no not unless you want to ruin everything for everyone. <laughs> so right now, my aunt, one of my aunts reads my books. And my, I have a cousin who reads my books. And my older sister is always threatening to read my books. And I said that she could if she really wanted to. Um, so that's the only pressure I have to deal with. And I just like to pretend that they're not reading them at all. And it's not true. It's no way my, I could get my mom to, like, not read my books. <laughs> um, and what I will say about your, um, your, you have these steamy scenes, as Chanel uh, described them, like, they're very detailed, a little explicit. <laughs> you know, like, 
it's not nothing left to the imagination. <laughs> so I think um, a lot of your readers enjoy that. Um, but in general, how has it been um, actually having your work out into the world for so many people, not your family, but so many other people to consume and enjoy? Like, what is, like, how does that feel to you? Um, like hearing feedback from your readers and, and so many people buying and purchasing your books? Well, on the one hand, it feels kind of like a, a big responsibility because I've had days where I really need something to cheer me up and I pick a book, especially if I buy a book, you know, and I actually spend money on it. And then I read it and it doesn't do what I wanted it to do and I'm furious. So I'm kind of like, oh, if my book is that for someone, but actually, you know, that can't be helped and I just have to get over that. Um, so on the whole, it's just really lovely to have so many people, you know, Social media is great, I think, because it's a great way for people to express the feelings they have about the book. And when they kind of tag me in something and say, I love this so much, it really just, it makes me so, so, so happy every time. Um, so I'm really grateful that that's actually a thing because I bet what 20 years ago, authors didn't have that, you know, whereas I can wake up in the morning and, and if I'm not feeling motivated, look at something like that and be like, oh, someone wants to read what I'm writing. Speaking of motivation, how do you stay motivated to continue writing, to find inspiration for new characters, new stories? What does that process look like for you? Um, I feel like the times when motivation is difficult for me, it's usually um, kind of symptomatic of doing too much and expecting too much. Um, I, I follow a newsletter called Forge, um, which is just great advice for authors and I suppose all kinds of creatives. And Mia, the author, she talks a lot about refilling your creative well and treating yourself gently and remembering that you're seasonal. And, you know, when I have fulfilled all of my needs as a person, I am always feeling so motivated and inspired to create stories. Whereas when I'm kind of burnt out, that's when I really struggle with motivation. So I think it's just uh, self-care to use a buzzword. <laughs> so we mentioned that Talia is an author of 17 books, um, which is just amazing to me that you just have all this inspiration <laughs> to keep going. So we recommend the Brown Sisters series, but for people who are not familiar with your work and are checking you out, do you think um, do you recommend folks start from the beginning? Is there a particular book you think someone should start with? Um, I'm so bad at answering this question. <laughs> um, so I have a, a reading order on my website, but it's just a suggested reading order. And I feel like it depends on your preferences. Um, if you like, if you like kind of funnier, lighter books, then I would suggest starting with the Brown Sisters. Um, anyone who likes kind of cozier or more emotionally resonant books I would say they should start with my Ravenswood series um, and if you like very steamy or even slightly angsty books then you should take a look at my my standalones tend to be more like that so it depends on your preference where you start I think I love that so are you working on anything new right now I am I'm actually uh, editing my first YA romance um, which I'm very excited about because at first I was kind of skeptical and didn't think that I'd be able to do that 
but it's coming along nicely and I'm quite enjoying it. So I'm hoping readers are going to enjoy it as well. <laughs> I'm excited for that. I know I read a lot of like young adult romance books growing up. I still reread them. <laughs> just, uh, just And I'm like not even in that age range. I'm older and I still can like go back. But since you're a writer um, and an author, like, do you have a favorite book that is your go-to or a, a certain series that you love that is just like your all-time favorite? Um, um, this is another question I'm bad at answering because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's the best book for the best situation rather than a best all-time book. Do you know what I mean? Um, I know that I always recommend the Side Changeling series by Nalini Singh to people because I think it's just a mind-bogglingly incredible piece of work that will go down in history as just uh, legendary. <laughs> so I, I suppose I have quite strong feelings about that. Um, but most of the time, actually, I like to recommend authors because once I like an author, I'll read like everything they've ever written. So um, I really love Tia Williams. Um, I already mentioned Kennedy Ryan, uh, KJ Charles, um, Tasha Suri. There's a lot of really, there's a lot of really great authors out now. Or maybe it's just that I know more about books now because I work in books. But I feel so spoiled. <laughs> and you started out self-publishing, correct? So what yeah, was that right. process like? You're you're not self-publishing anymore, right? Um, I haven't self-published in a little while because I've been busy with contracts, but I would still like to self-publish because um, I feel like, you know, it's two such different processes and they each have their, their positives and negatives. Um, when I started writing, there were a few reasons why I decided to be self-published, quite a few, but one of them was that I have a disability and I wanted to be able to be really flexible with the timings of how and when I wrote the book um, and that's something that I really really value about self-publishing that kind of keeps me loyal to it as a method of writing. Well you are loyal to that method but hopefully from this interview you get some more loyal readers in the U.S. <laughs> Um, so yes, we are a fan of yours and I'm sure our listeners are going to be fans of yours as well. Can you tell folks how they can learn more about you and purchase your books? Yeah, so I have a website, it's taliahibbert.com and it has a little about me section. Unfortunately, it's not very interesting, um, but I'm also on social media where I say things sometimes. Um, I am at Talia Hibbert on Instagram and on Twitter, and I have a Facebook reader group called Talia Hibbert's Hopeless Romantics, which is a lot of fun. Um, I'm sorry, any woman that's in her 20s has written 17 books and can write sex scenes is pretty interesting. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I had a really great time. This week's tweet of the week comes from at MKMB. This can't be the same brain I was using to read 750 page novels in three days during middle school. We agree, MKMD, it cannot be the same brain. But y'all, we're going to get back on it and start reading more. Thanks to our amazing guests. And as usual, like, comment, share, and subscribe. This has been Pretty Political.